Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Braith. It's Wednesday night, which means it's retro night, and I'm joined by George Stew, Mitch, Steve H, and Steve W tonight as we look at Newcastle versus Fulham over the years. Usual script. The lads give us recollections of games gone by. Uh, we then test their knowledge with players that played for both teams, as well as celebrity fans, and also the lads pick their one to eleven uh, all-time players between the two teams. So, uh, without further ado, it's uh, good evening. Al Walid first in the chat, who uh, is recovering from his operation. I hope you're well, yeah. Al Walid. And uh, we will start the show. All the best. With, we'll start the show with you, George. Give us your first recollection. Yes, the first recollection is. Uh... Is a one that uh, is very special because it was the first away game I went to in London, um, and it was a, a bit of a reward by the uh, by the, the now Brampton Gardens Academy, not the Chicken Road Academy, because we'd moved then and uh, Harry was in charge. Uh, but just before just before this particular game, I had just got into the Northumberland Boys squad um, about a year ahead of my time. And I'd also just signed schoolboy forms for for Newcastle, so this was a special treat for us uh, for 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 those things happening. Um, the the usual uh, thing happened with with us at this time, uh, as I've told you before. Sometimes the, the the club used to give coach companies tickets if they could fill a coach. They used to give them the tickets, uh, and uh, people used to just buy the ticket with a seat on the coach. Well, of course, as I've said before, me, me granny um, used to work for Alfie Hollands at, uh, in Walls End, who had a coach company, and uh, she went down and persuaded Alfie to put a bus on for the Fulham game. So that was it, and we're all on our way. Um, and uh, it was a very early morning start, and for me, first time uh, to see all the crates being loaded in the bus early in the morning was uh, was something of an eye opener. Um, where I had my uh, knapsack with me, uh, bottles of pop, and my sandwich, saying that my mother'd give us. They were all getting ready to have a have a session on the bus anyway. So this is uh, the fourth round of the FA Cup uh, at Craven Cottage in fifty five fifty six, and of course we were going as cup holders, um, and of course the. Anticipation in, in in the in the bus. The fact in the town was that uh, well, we're going to win it again. I mean, it's happened the last time two in a row. Why can't we do it again this time? And uh, it was quite something and 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 quite a journey. Um, the other thing that I remember happening for the first time was um, when when I did get the chance to go into a, into a pub with them, a bar with them. Um, I got my first Pepsi Cola. I'd never seen Pepsi Cola in the northeast. Uh, but I got I got one in in London, so that was that was something. Anyway, um, went to the ground, thirty nine thousand two hundred, which at the time was a record crowd for Craven Cottage. They had never had that many in Craven Cottage. Have you got the program there? There's the program for the for the for the match uh, going on eBay at the moment for about six quid. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, there's also one of the two captains tossing up, I think, uh, Steve. That's Alf Michael, our captain, and Jimmy. Yeah, that's the, the coin, George. That's the coin before anyone <laughs> it says is. it. That's it. And uh, Jimmy, the the Chin Hill, uh, as Fulham captain. And the name of the of the referee, Neil, was John Mitchell, would you believe? Yeah. <laughs> which which, <laughs> which happens to be the name of my father, although the family called him Harry, uh, and that, that's another long story. 
Uh, I can see a tune look alike coming here, George, because that actually <laughs> looks a little bit like Neil. <laughs> well, I, I, that's that's the referee, uh, John Mitchell, who refereed the match. And look at the state of the pitch. It hasn't even kicked off yet. Look at that pitch. It was, it was like a ploughed field. I mean, you know, the, I think modern-day referees would have serious worries about even starting that match. By the time we got to half-time, it was a ploughed field. Anyway, that that's the, the next one. There's, there's a team picture as well, uh, Steve, uh, which is the next one I was going to talk about. That one, yes. Well, that's the 11, except in the official uh, programme, it says that the right fullback was... Uh, was Arnold Woolard, who was a Bermudan fullback we had, but actually uh, second uh, uh, along from uh, Bob Stoko is uh, Ron Batty. Uh, Ron Batty was the was the was the fullback, and next to him was uh, Bill Patterson, the centre half we bought from Doncaster for a lot of money, um, and uh, ahead of his time, ball playing centre half, which in fifty five fifty six didn't go down well. Well, it uh, it St James's Park, and I think he was only half a season, and he's on his on his way to Glasgow uh, to to uh, uh, start his career up there. Um, so that was the, the the game. The game was uh, exciting. It was end when, but the star man, and, and I get no no uh, apologies for um, saying it again, was with the one and only Jackie Milburn on the right wing. He tore Fulham to shreds, and within uh, less than half an hour, or just on half an hour, we were three up, and Milburn had made all three goals, and had a, had a free had a free kick saved himself that nearly went in, um, and it, it was a cakewalk, and you know our lot were just uh, getting ready for the next round, sort of thing. Um, but as I say, as as the pitch wore on, and it became more and more of a of a, of a ploughed field, um, it kind of reduced. Uh, us to, to, to Fulham's speed and just before half time their left winger Tosh Chamberlain scored a goal and it was just the wrong time to, to concede a goal because they came out after uh, half time with their tails up and with us uh, looking over our shoulders and uh, it wasn't long before it was uh, 3-2 Tosh, Tosh Chamberlain again and then uh, 3-3 Jimmy Hill uh, four three to them, toss Chamberlain's hat trick, and uh, we seem to be in a right mess. But then came the equaliser. Now there's a picture there of of, of a goal mouth of a goal the net, uh, Steve. That's it. Um, you can see the goalkeeper's in the back of the net, and uh, that's Vic Keeble on the lane. The goal he he borrowed a, a Nat Lofthouse goal trick. The goalkeeper caught the ball from across. And Keeble put his in and shoulder charged him. And there he is in the back of the net. And that was the equaliser. Now, could you imagine what sort of kerfuffle there'd be if that happened these this day? <laughs> there would be a riot. There would be there would be fisticuffs and all things. But the referee actually let that stand. So that was 4-4. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we went on to uh, get the winner. And who, who should get it but uh, Jackie Milburn? Um, so 5-4. The team that day was Simpson, uh, um, uh, Batty, uh, McMichael, Stoke, Patterson, Casey, the Irish halfback, Milburn, Reg Davis, the little Welshman, Vic Keeble, Bill Curry, a local, 
uh, centre forward really, but he was playing it uh, inside inside left as we used to call it in those days. And then Bobby Mitchell, but the star man for us was uh, was Jackie Milburn. For them, Tosh Chamberlain, of course, was the star man with a hat trick. Uh, but playing inside of him was the very young Johnny Haynes, who who was to become quite a uh, quite a, um, uh, a star in English football, not just for Fulham. The centre forward Bedford Jezard eventually became their manager, um, and. Next to him in the, in the forward line was uh, one and only Bobby Robson. And on the right wing, none other than Jimmy the Chin Hill. Uh, and uh, it, they were a respectable team for a second division team. There's no doubt about that. And uh, having been 3-1 down at half time, they made quite a, quite a show of it uh, as uh, as we did. I'm not sure if there's any photographs left for the first game. Is, is this no, that's it, mate. That's, oh, it. that's it, right. Good. Okay, and uh, um, as I say, we uh, left the ground, got into the coach to come home, of course. Totally confident that uh, this was it. We were on my way to Wembley again. It, it had to be. Uh, and, of course, what did we do next round, fifth round? <laughs> we lost two out at home to Rotherham, a third division team. <laughs> to say that not... That's uh, knocks the goods out here, but when you're a Newcastle fan, it's the kind of thing you get you get used to. Well, that was a great day and a special day for me, as I say. That the first time I w- went on an away day in uh, in the, in London with the gang, and uh, it was uh, something I'll always remember. So five four uh, to us against Fulham, and what a great day it was. But the uh, as I say, some of the things I see now in the pitch, there's a very good Pathé news. A uh, short clip of the game uh, on YouTube and so on. It's worth a look just to look at the pitch because there's lots of referees nowadays who wouldn't even kick that off. Yet here, they were the whole match on, on what was like a ploughed field. So that's my first recollection, lads. Thank you. I'm pretty sure as well when I do talkings with Supermac, I'm pretty sure that was his first game as a schoolboy, like uh, like at Fulham. Yes. Yes, I'm pretty I, sure. I, that, I'm pretty sure Superman was at that game watching. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, Stu. Good evening, mate. Uh, good evening. Well, just the fifty-four years following on from George's day uh, fable there, <laughs> <laughs> as usual. That was fifty-four years difference, and George had good memories. This one isn't so good. It's sixteenth uh, of May, two thousand and nine. Now, looking back at that season, if you could ever describe a season as cut your own throat through sheer, sheer stupidity, this was it. Uh, I've got a few things written down. We had five managers that season. We had Keegan to start with, then Chris Newton, temporary, Joe Kinnear, Chris Newton and Calderwood again together, and then Shearer to finish it off. And how are you meant to do well in a season when you've had five managers? We also had Dennis Wise as defend, uh, defender, uh, director of football, who was scouting players on YouTube. There was an Argentinian, Nacho Gonzalez, I've got written down, that he'd signed through YouTube. We also had the Cisco fiasco. That's quite difficult to say. <laughs> uh, Keegan resigning and, and then successfully suing the club after the club admitting to lying to the media. And that's at a time when they used to speak to the media. And Shea Given had had enough and left in the January transfer window. Michael Owen decided he wanted to do a brochure and not play football to protect his future career and had to be basically dragged onto the pitch uh, for the for the last game of the season. 
But the game itself came, I, would, I was living in Tenerife at the time, I'd come over for the last couple of games. The game that preceded it was a Monday night game that I know Mitch and Steve Hastie know very well uh, through their chats with Mr. Lambias. And that was the Middlesbrough game we won 3-1. And, you know, the atmosphere there, there was scarves, there was flags, you know, there was it was a great atmosphere. And we're going into this game where if we win, we're all but safe. Draw and we're out the bottom three and it's still in our own hands. And if anything could go wrong in a game when you just know it's not your day, it was this. We had the... the we had a goal disallowed for Duca, and it was a cracking header. And I might be biased, but I still don't understand why it was disallowed. Uh, they reckon there was a show of something to do with Nolan jumping on the line, which he'd done at the previous game, and they were watching it. You know what Steve Taylor used to do all the time? Yeah. And reckon that he impeded the keeper. Uh, what else would I had it written down? It was. Uh, we had a one cleared off the line just after half time. And then the, the game, the, the goal of the game, when Danny Murphy also, always seemed to have a good game against us, he, he put a defence splitting pass between the centre-half and the left-back, and the cross went over. He dispossessed Nicky Butt, who I still think was playing for Man United at the time. And then uh, there was a, I know it's pronounced Kamara, but the joke is it was a camera finish for Fulham. You know, he, he knocked it in, and then Basson got himself sent off rather dubiously. Uh, Schwarzer was having one of those games that keepers often do against us. You know, it was an inspired performance, making great saves. And the, the one that he made at the very end from Nicky Butt, he, for the guy, Schwarzer's got to be, what, six foot four, I believe? And he's a big lad anyway. And he got down to his bottom post and just got this round the corner when it was, a, it was just a spin and a shot from, from Nicky Butt. But even then, that would have kept us out of the bottom three going into the last game which we didn't know at the time, but uh, they did stop us equalising. But that day, you couldn't if you couldn't fault the, the crowd, you couldn't fault the work rates, the, the effort I got put in, but you could bemoan bad luck and dodgy decisions. So that finished and we went off to Villa Park for the last game of the season, the infamous game, which you, know, you can all say what possibly went wrong. But if you want Mitch and Steve to talk about the Derek Lambias providing the, uh, the, the, the comedy for that game... Due to the atmosphere from the previous game, then I'll leave it to you. But that's that was my first game. Okay, good stuff, Mitch. Aye, the, the footnote of that was Derek, in his wisdom, decided not to put more scarves out for that game because he, he he thought, quote unquote, everybody will just bring them back. <laughs> and it was like for oh, to save a few bob on scarves, just put new scarves out. And it was, and that was typical of the kind of decisions they made, wasn't it, Steve? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely spot on. I was going to mention that, but uh, it was, it was the whole. I mean, it, when I call, I'll, 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 I'll talk about when it comes to my second game. I'll, I'll appreciate it with that. Right, good one. Well, my first game, carrying on on a theme there from Stu, uh, is all about goalkeepers. This is seventh uh, of November, two thousand and four. And it's probably the most ridiculous game of football I've ever been to. And I think also the the best goalkeeping display I've ever personally witnessed at a game. And the goalkeeper in question is Mark Crossley, who was in goal for Fulham. And that day, we absolutely battered Fulham. The the final score was 4-1 to Fulham. That's the other crazy bit about it. The, The actual 
game itself could have been 7-4. The amount of chances that we had in the first half in particular. Um, and Crossley produced something that was just A, unexpected, because he, he, I don't know why he was in the team ahead of Van der Sar for Fulham, but he was. I mean, they, they'd come up to St. James's Park, and I don't think they'd had an away win. Um, or, or had they not even had a win that season? They were just terrible. But yet, this day, Crossley decided, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stop everything and stop everything he did. Um, I watched a few highlights of the game through the week, you know, and, and I was writing down, you know, Boyer, Bellamy, Boyer, Bernard, Robbie Elliott, Shearer, Clivert, all within the first 28 minutes either hit the woodwork or had Crossley stopping a really golden chance. And then on 28 minutes against the run of play, um, Collins John broke away and put the Fulham 1-0 up. Um, and then the rest of the half continued in the same vein with Crossley stopping everything and catching everything. Um, and the second half was no different. You know, early in the second half, Robert had one of those free kicks that normally would, would take the net off. And Crossley managed to keep that out. How he didn't break his wrist doing it, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it was, again, you know, it, it, Clive had again on 65 minutes, you know, it get, hit the foot of the post. And then just just straight away from that play, Melbourne goes up the other end and gets Fulham second. And then we just had went on one after that. We just threw everything at Fulham and left ourselves wide open at the back. And... In the next 10 minutes, they scored twice. Malbrand got a pen and Luis Buamore, who was repeatedly linked with us at the time, he was always going to be the next signing, um, wrapped it up to make it 4-0. Um, we got a consolation from Bell Bellamy just after that, but it was barely a consolation. And I've got to say that day, Mark Crossley, to use the word inspired, was an absolute understatement. And we all left that ground going, what the hell has just happened there? Amazing, amazing performance. I remember that. Um, and just that's what happens. Some goalkeepers have games like that and there's nothing you can do. No. Absolutely. No. <laughs> All right, Steve. Hiya, guys. Right, well, my first game, it's not my first recollection of playing Fulham, but it's the, it, it, my first choice of a game. I'm going back to uh, November the 17th, 2001. Uh, it was a bit of an awkward time for us. I wasn't getting too many away games and I hadn't. Perfectly honest, I don't go to that many away games now. But uh, at that particular time, with a very, very young family, um, it was it was getting more and more difficult to get away at weekends. But uh, I had a friend who uh, runs a company down in in London, um, a freight haulage company, um, freight forwarding, and he, he said, "Look, why don't you come down for the weekend?" Um, he says, "I'll get with tickets. You can sit, you know, just sit in the Fulham Fulham side with us." He says, "But it's going to be a special occasion. It is probably going to be the last time that you're going to be at Craven Cottage." He said, uh, we're moving out. He said, the rumour is, we're going to QPR. We're going to share ground. Uh, they're supposed to be going to do the ground up, but the rumour is we'll never get back in. Um, they thought it was a bit of a con trick by uh, El Fayed. Um, they thought the ground would eventually be sold because of where it was, make an absolute fortune, and they would end up ground sharing with somebody on that side of London for the rest of their days. So I thought, you know what? It's a, it's a ground that I've always liked. Um, it's, a, it's a really oldie worldy old-fashioned ground and the walk through the park and everything so i thought oh yeah i'll tell you what we'll do it so <clears throat> excuse me i persuaded my wife that we should go down uh, the excuse obviously being it's um, middle of november it's nearly christmas shopping time all that type of thing you know it took about a week of convincing but uh, anyway off we went um 
went down on the Friday, came back uh, on the Sunday, but uh, had a had a great time. Of course, one of the things I'm not very good at is 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 travelling uh, on my own. I have a tendency to get lost. Well, I, I hopped on the tube after leaving the family in London. I hopped on the tube here in central London, and um, I just thought well, it's going to be dead easy. You're just going to follow people. You just you know you just follow the crowd. You know it's Fulham. You know there's going to be twenty thousand there. Follow the crowd, follow Newcastle fans whatsoever. Anyway, I got on the probably the only tube that had no Newcastle fans on it. Um, so the only the only train over overground train. So I, I just thought, well, I'll just follow this crowd of, of Fulham fans. You know, they seem like decent lads. So uh, they hopped off the train. I hopped off the train. Um, they walked straight into a pub. Um, Asked somebody where the pub that I was supposed to be going on, oh, and I was told it was the next station down. So that was a great start. I then had to leg it back to the station, back on, find me way. Eventually, I found Roy. Um, <coughs> had a couple of drinks. Um, just so happened, this was the area where all the Newcastle funds were anyway, which was good. Um, walked through the park and then into the game. So let's talk about the game. <laughs> Enough of the geography lesson. Um, so this was... <sighs> This was a shocking start. After 20 minutes, we were 1-0 down. Um, after 28 minutes, we were 2-0 down. Um, we weren't playing very well at all. And when I look at the team that were put out, um, you know, you go to London and you think, then, you know, with this team, we should be able to absolutely walk this particular Fulham team. We've got Given in Goal, we've got Aaron Hughes, and we've got Dabby Zass, we've got O'Brien and Robbie Elliott. Which incidentally is still shown on the BBC Premier League web or the Premier League's website pictures of Robbie Elliott, the goalkeeper, not Robbie Elliott, as <laughs> <laughs> the Robbie Elliott we all know and love, um, which is which is ridiculous, uh, typical Premier League. Um, but then you've got in midfield, you've got a midfield of Robley, Solano, Speed, and Robert, and up front you've got Bellamy and Shearer. Now your expectation is that you're going to walk that you're going to walk this. But we didn't. We just didn't. Um, next thing you know, as I say, we're 2-0 down. A um, few substitutions made. Uh, Gary Speed scored a lovely header after a lovely move. Uh, a lovely cross by Aaron Hughes. And a typical Gary Speed header to bring us back to 2-1 on the 65th minute. Uh, where he just, you know, if you remember, he just, he could... He could, he could leap like a salmon, hover in the air, and he buried it in the bottom left-hand corner. Uh, great goal. And then... Uh, Tagana, who was the manager of uh, of Fulham at the time, brought brought uh, brought Lee Clark on, and um, within two minutes, we are three one down. Um, <laughs> absolutely shot and defended again by Newcastle. Um, ball right across the face of the goal from a corner, two yards out, given absolutely nowhere, and uh, Barry Hills just uh, nods it in from literally two yards out. Um, a bit like that that goal that we saw uh, last Friday for Brentford. Um, against Arsenal. You know, it literally was that easy for him to put it in the back of the neck. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, you know, we should have won. What I failed to remember when I got there was that we hadn't won in 27 games in London. So, for me to sit there and expect us to break my duck at this point after a 27-game run 
um, meant I probably was, you know, a little bit one over the eight when it come to the drink and a bit deluded and and maybe I should have just stayed Christmas shopping, but uh, that was the that was the, uh, the the situation. It turned out as obviously that they only stayed at QPR for a couple of seasons. They decided that they weren't gonna weren't gonna leave Craven Cottage at all. Uh, they went out, they bought themselves a lawnmower, uh, they cut the grass, uh, tidied the place up, put a lick of paint on it, and all of a sudden it was the the best ground in the country again. You know, everybody was going how fabulous it is to have an the worldly ground um but that was that was the way i mean it was a lot of the reasoning was that obviously the wooden stand and all that and i think it's only been redeveloped now i think that you know the ground is only starting to get redeveloped what is 20 years later and um, which when you think of everything that's gone on in football that's uh that's unbelievable but uh yeah that was my first game my first disastrous trip to london um oh, my disastrous trip to london in 2001 Great stuff, Steve Wilkinson. On to you, man. Yeah, well, we haven't had a, got off to a good start tonight. We've got one win off George and three defeats off the other lads. But uh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to continue the the negativity with a with another defeat <laughs> and uh, another home defeat, quite a heavy one um, on uh, 16th of October 1982, and it was the uh, Sotomax first appearance as a manager in St James's Park, and. Uh, it, the game started, and, and when when the teams came out, and and uh, when Superman came on the pitch, he he got the kind of reception you would you would think was worthy of a player who would be successful, despite the fact he he left the club, and he and he, it was a standing ovation from everybody, and we hoped then he would sit down and uh, forget about how good he might have been as a manager, and uh, and, and let us let us win the match. However, he, he had started his Fulham career quite well because um, he'd, he'd taken over about 1980, I think it was, when, when Fulham were in the third division at that time. And uh, after two seasons, he got them up with a, with a combination of, of some sort of experienced players. He had, he had Jerry Payton, Tony Gale, Ray Lewington, sort of experienced players. And he'd bring in and youthful players. And it was a, a new signing that he brought in for this game, a, a 20-year-old lad who we'd never heard of at that time. But over the, the following... Uh, Sort of 15 years ago was was quite a household name, and that's Ray Houghton. It ultimately went on to play for Liverpool and, and do well for the Republic of Ireland. But uh, Ray Houghton had been brought in from uh, West Ham, I think it was, on a free transfer. He hadn't he hadn't made it at West Ham, and as a 20 year old, he was brought in by Supermac at the start of this season. And uh, this game um, turned out to be the Ray Houghton show, particularly in the first half. And uh, while uh, at that stage, we were in the sort of, I suppose, phase two of Arthur Cox's rebuild, um, having signed Kevin Keegan at the start of the season and we'd already had Terry Mack and Chris Waddle. And this was the season that uh, we hoped with, with Keegan coming on board that we would, would do better things. Um, the team, our team that day, Kevin Carngoal, John Anderson, Wes Saunders at fullback, uh, Nick Martin, Jeff Clark, Steve Carney in the... the, 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 the Sort of centre of defence coming forward. Um, Keegan, Kevin Todd, not very well known midfield player. Um, Emery Verardi up front, Terry Mack, and, and David McCreary. So, you know, again, some decent names in that team. Um, but we're, I think we played very narrow. I think it was about a 4 4 2. We seemed to just play with Keegan and Verardi up front, playing very narrow through the middle. And uh, Fulham got off to a great start, and, and uh, 10 minutes in, um, the first of the moves involving Ray Houghton, a slick passing movement with uh, from from picking the, the ball on the halfway line. He, he ran at this with pace, and he was doing this regularly, and uh, ended up with uh, 
Gordon Davies banging the ball into the net with a, with a cross shot uh, off the far post. Um, 20 minutes later, 22 minutes, gone in the game, out and again, picking the ball up in the centre circle. He was doing this all the game. Um, moved forward in, in a precision pass into the, the path of Dean Coney, slotted it under Kevin Carr he came out of the goal. So that was 2-0 up to 22 minutes. Um, we had a couple of chances um, before Fulham next time scored, which was in 37 minutes. This was Houghton himself, and this was a it was a beautiful goal. Um, you can see it. There is a there's almost a full match of the day on uh, on YouTube, and uh, this this was a, a, a great ball picked up by uh, a through ball to Houghton. He, uh, he approached, ran up. David McCreary approached him, and, and he he left David McCreary on the ground on a spin turn. And he saw Kevin Carr just coming off his line and, and, and chipped it over his head into the, into the net. 3 0 down after uh, 37 minutes. Um, you know, not yeah. what we wanted to see. Um, so the, the crowd was pretty stunned at half time, as you might imagine. And, uh, you know, we didn't know where things were going to go. And you hoped that, the, you know, when the, the team talked in half time and Martha Cox would, would lift us a bit. And I think we, we did sort of pick up a bit in the second half. Uh, Terry Mack went close with a free kick. And then in uh, 63 minutes, Keegan was was fouled on the edge of the box, or just inside the box, and uh, got a penalty and slotted it home. So here's the fight back starting. We hope three one, and and that's how it continued. We started bombarding, and we had a we had a few chances and chances to score. But um, unfortunately, it was a mistake by Kevin Carr at the back, uh, a breakaway um, that, that uh, Dean Corney burst through. Hit a fairly tamer shot, and and uh, Kevin Carr let the ball slip under his arms, and uh, then ended up with uh, with Gordon Davies tapping it in for the the uh, the fourth goal. So that was four one, and uh, you know you you're down then and thinking the game's over. But we still rallied again. We had we had a couple more chances, including another penalty, which this time unfortunately Keegan Keegan missed, and so the game ended ended four one, and. Uh, you know, another defeat when we'd hope yes, we'd a lot better. Um, so that, that's really my first game. Uh, another disappointing performance against Fulham in a season that we hoped was going to be more successful. Great stuff, Steve. Big shout out to our sponsors, SpiderVPN. And uh, they are the uh, boys to trust with internet security. Uh, from our perspective, if you Google Spider VPN, you will uh, find them at the top of your Google search and uh, they will come up and uh, give them a shout to protect your computer, your phone uh, numbers, uh, photographs and everything on your phone. Skipsandbins.com as well, being with us for the last few months. Telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Also, a big shout-out to John from qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle. Uh, John is in the chat tonight. Hope uh, the recuperation's going well. And a uh, big shout-out to John at Jab Signature, whose uh, clothes are now hot off the press. So uh, we should see some uh, promotion from Jab Signature in due course uh, with uh, the new boxing range that is out later this month. And uh, he makes our flyers. Also, a big shout out to L and G Family Funeral Directors. Give them a ring on 01913897245. 
and Darren <coughs> Baldwin Funerals, 304 Old Durham Road, Gateshead. Uh, telephone 0191 478 2730. Email Darren at Darren or visit our website www.darren First time visitor to the site and the uh, YouTube page. Hit the subscribe button, which is the Newcastle Legends logo. Hit the thumb up to like the video channel and click share, share your like uh, to your social media. If you want to meet like-minded Newcastle fans and have a chat or get a question or comment on the screen, drop into the comments box. But uh, most importantly, hit the thumb up to like the video. We're also available as a podcast, so you can catch up with all the previous retro shows on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean and other podcast providers. And uh, we have got a few events coming up, uh, namely this one where you can buy your tickets on uh, Woucher or on Groupon. Uh, it's an evening with Steve Howie, Lane O'Brien, Rule Fox, John Beresford, Supermac, Darren Peacock, John Anderson, Kevin Scott. And that is the 4th of September at the Tyne Theatre on Westgate Road. Uh, kicks off for VIPs at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock for the entry-only tickets. Be a cracking night, and there'll be quite a few of the NUFC Matters crew going down there as well. So if uh, you fancy a chance of meeting the legends, get yourself along. The uh, food bank bucket as well is still on the go. Uh, NUFCfansfoodbank.co.uk is the website address for that. So if you want to make a donation, you can always do that. And you've still got a chance to enter the raffle for the watch, which uh, obviously will be drawn once the pool night is rearranged. Uh, a little bit later this year. We do have a website as well. If you want to get onto the website, it's nufcmatters.com and um, lots of uh, T-shirts on there and uh, our own NUFC Matters football shirt as well. So get yourself uh, onto uh, the website, nufcmatters.com to uh, check out our stuff. Okay, back to you, George, for your second game. Oops, sorry. Press the wrong one, but never mind. Um, yeah, up to 1960 uh, now, March 5th of March 1960. Oh, before I go on with that, there was a question across the bottom that said, uh, has George got a cupboard full of programmes in his house? Well, I hadn't now, but at Seven Brampton Gardens, where my mother lived, there was a cupboard above the hot tank in, in my bedroom, was stowed off with them. And when I look at the eBay, when I'm checking programmes for these programmes, and I see what they're selling for, I mean, there was two last week for Stoke. One went for 25 quid, and one was, was up to about 30 before it uh, disappeared. I mean, that cupboard at, at Brampton Gardens would have been a gold mine now, but however. however. And that, the Fulham programme I used today would, would definitely be in that cupboard because I, I bought one and, and took it to him after the match. So that that that's... Uh, a, an answer to a question I was asked across the bottom. In the picture, Steve, did I give you a, a picture with four guys standing, three with strippy shirts? Or? Um, I'll take a look uh, to see what you sent this. Um, they're difficult because it's small JPEGs on here for me. Aye, you sent us this, this one. Aye, that one, that one, yes. Well, the reason I wanted to show you that one, that's that's Fulham. That's uh, uh, Johnny Hayne's second uh, from the right. And... Uh, Ezard, the centre forward, Jimmy Hill, uh, and Tosh Chamberlain, who, who I mentioned in the match. But the guy in the suit is that the next manager they had called uh, Doug Livingston. And about six months after this picture was taken, Doug Livingston became manager of Newcastle United. That's that's the the reason I put that picture on. Anyway, to go to the go to the second match uh, uh, on Saturday, the fifth of March, nineteen sixty. Um, it was a match where Charlie Mitten now was our, our manager 
and uh, it was uh, um, a game which was uh, even Stephen thirty three thousand nine hundred and ninety three uh, spectators at St James's Park, and uh, it was uh, interesting for me because it, in nineteen sixty I was actually involved at St James's Park, and some of the players in our team I actually knew and, and, and played with. Um, and one of them was uh, was our goalkeeper, a young man called Brian Harvey, who Charlie <coughs> brought in to replace the famous Ronnie Simpson because Ronnie Simpson wasn't regarded as big enough. Well, Brian Harvey was about six foot four, an adonis of a man, a really uh, attractive-looking guy. Uh, but as being a goalkeeper, he, I think his hands were put on hot because he couldn't control them. Uh, I mean, there's every 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 time it went in the air, there was a good chance he he would drop it. Um, but the team that day was uh, was a good team. Uh, Dick Keith, Irish right back, who was who was good player. Uh, Alf McMichael, and then a funny one: the young man called Mitten, John Mitten, the, the the manager's son. Now John Mitten, in, when I played with him in the juniors, was always a left winger, uh, and here he is in in, in right sided midfield. And then Bob Stoke or Jackie Bell, who I played with in the ends in in the juniors. Uh, Gordon Hughes, George Eastham, Len White, Ivor Altchurch, and and Bobby Mitchell, and uh, Fulham had quite a decent side. George Cohn, the, the World Cup fullback, uh, to be much later on was was the right back at that time, and then uh, going down to the forwards, uh, right winger was Graham Leggett, a, a, a Scottish international, the boat from Aberdeen, who I'd seen in Aberdeen many years before. Uh, and uh, Cook, a big centre forward, and then playing at uh, in what an old-fashioned inside left or, or left midfield was a it was quite a, 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 an old oldish player was Roy Bentley who used to be our centre forward many many years before that, uh, and on the left wing was uh, Johnny Haynes who by then was uh, was the rising star. Um, it was a it was a good game, but. Uh, Got off to a nervous start for us because we'd hardly kicked off when Roy Bentley, the old timer returning home, uh, stuck one in the back for Fulham, back of the net for Fulham. And then uh, um, just before half time, Ivor Altchurch, uh, another excellent player, a big, big man, but very, very sure footed and, and great on the ball and with a, with a shot like thunder, um, equalised just before half time. In the second half, we we, we woke up and uh, um, George Eastham got the uh, the second one for us. And then about 10 minutes from the end, Len White uh, scored uh, what was to be the third goal. Now, I think there's a picture of Len White I sent you, uh, Steve. That one. Now, that's not against Fulham, but that's Len White scoring a goal for us. But why I wanted to put that on... That's the strip we were wearing in 1960. And all the teams from the juniors right up to the first team were wearing that strip. And it was designed by the manager, Charlie Mitten. And believe me, what an uncomfortable strip to wear, especially the socks. You see the black, white, straight tops of the socks. They, were, they, they didn't have the weaving techniques to put them all in one like they would now. They were actually added on. And, and there was uh, so there was, a, there was a seam just where you turned your sock over. And it was bloody uncomfortable, I tell you. Um, but that was the strip we were wearing at, at the time and, and we would be wearing in this game that I'm talking about. Um, we won uh, 3-1. Um, 
Uh, Bedford Jezard, who I mentioned in the first game uh, as the centre forward, was now the manager and uh, and was the manager for a, for a year or two after that. Uh, but we had to put up with Charlie Minton for only one more year. Then, uh, of course, we had uh, he had a miserable season and we had a miserable relegation. But uh, with three one and uh, Saturday the fifth of March, nineteen sixty, um, a good win. Uh, oh, thanks, Steve. I'd forgotten I'd put the programme on. Um, interested on the programme, if you look at the top, it's got some information about crowds. Maximum capacity, 70,000. Uh, record attendance, 68,000 and, and some. Well, 68,000 and some had been many, many years before when uh, Huey Gallagher came back to St James's Park with Chelsea. Um but 70,000, by Jove, I wouldn't like to have been in St James's Park with 70,000 in, but uh, uh, I'm sure I'm sure the directors would have loved it and would like to try. Anyway, that's that's my second game. 3-1 at home, uh, beat Fulham, and uh, an interesting game it was with, with all sorts of other things happening. Um, and as I say, with uh, with Mitten's son in the team and, and uh, others that I, I knew and played with uh, myself. So... Uh, as I said, the kit was looked great, but God, it was uncomfortable. Thank you. That's my second uh, match. Great stuff. Okay. Uh, over to you, Stu, for your second game. So getting closer. This one's 50 years on from George's second one. <laughs> but uh, 51 years, I think. I better get out the doom and gloom and put a, a win in. This is in, it's three seasons, two years after the first game I talked about. So it's the start of the season, well, the third game of the season, August 28th, 2011. Um, we drew 0-0 at Hope Arsenal, first game of the season, and it's six days after Ryan Taylor put the ball over the wall uh, at the Village of the Unwashed. And I think if looking back, I mean, the, the, the game itself, the first half, I think it's a, it's a word that Mitch uses when he's describing something not good. It was can only be described as turgid. Um, and it was, but there was a flurry of chances at the end of the half that woke the crowd up. Now, to be fair, this was a team in transition. There was it was a Pardew's team now, and I've, I've got listed the changes. Kevin Nolan was out, but Kabaye come in. Uh, Cisco had left, and we got Demba Bar instead. Uh, Barton had been transfer listed at the start of the season and was sold just two days before this game. Uh, we had Routledge was out, Sylvian Marvo was in, Enrique was out because he didn't think we could get, ever get in the top six, which we did at the end of the season, and Santon was in. So, more more often than not, the, the squad had improved quite dramatically with some shrewd signings. Uh, and it was the the best perform well, the best season performance under the Mike Ashley era. So, there was a lot of good highlights. Like I said, this first half wasn't one of them. But the second half... Uh, started uh, and it was Leon Best's first start of the season and, and he did prove to be best that day because he scored both our goals his first one was uh, Kabaya had a shot from about 25 yards out and it was one of those where you think it's a rather like innocuous I suppose but uh, it swerved in the keeper Schwarzer again he managed to push the ball onto the onto the bar and it dropped down and cool as you want he just slotted it home that's it he just slots it home nice and nice and nice away so that puts us 1-0 uh, up. A bit later on, the sub, Denver Bar, comes on and he gets across and he was fed by Robertan. He'd sang for us that season as well, I think. 
Uh, Overtime pushed the ball out to the wing where Demo Ball was playing. And he's crossed the ball, at, uh, well, just into the box, but with a confidence high. The, the way best of he got the ball first, but when he's back to goal, uh, and it was more like for for those who remember, it was like Mark McGee esque, the way he's back to the goal and he dragged it and turned it, swivelled, and knocked the knocked the ball very coolly, I suppose, in the corner and it puts his two up. And you think, well, that's it. It's a comfortable win now. They've done what you expect, but again, in classic Newcastle fashion, this they lay off a little bit. Again, that man Danny Murphy then has a little spell. Uh, he, he puts in a great free kick for Clint Dempsey to score against us. And he, although Fulham had a few more bits of possession, they didn't really threaten to score. Uh, we had the best chance, and it was an injury time when Demba hit the ball. I've been waiting all day to say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with a chance. Uh, but it didn't go in, so that's, that means I didn't get me 3-1 bet up that day, uh, which is... <laughs> something I'm used to anyway but uh, after that 50,000 of us went and hit the bar ourselves and, and enjoyed the fact that we're unbeaten start of the season as I said we we actually went 11 games unbeaten at the start of that season and end up calling five for Europe from the normally you start the season with a bit of buzz and hope and this one was just yeah we'll finish mid-table again you know so it was actually an enjoyable season the, the way it panned out but like that first half it, it didn't give you any expectation of what was to follow but you can say the changes were made and uh, Dembaba got himself back in fit uh, I think he scored his mm-hmm. first goals in the hat-trick didn't he against Blackburn a couple yes. of weeks later and then uh, his pal from Senegal Papi Sissé joined in at the end of January so that was my second game I thought I'd put a cheery smile on people's faces after the disastrous run we had before so that's me two games in thanks a lot Brilliant. Okay, Mitch, your second game? My second game, the game itself, um, it's it's the return leg of the, the same season I was talking about before. 4th of May 2005, down at Graven Cottage. Um, it was, wasn't was set up to be the best of games. We'd gone there, we hadn't won away from home since November, and they hadn't won a game in seven. So it was all set up to be a fantastic end-to-end match. Um, but it, it was a midweek game. I can't, for the life of us, remember why it was why it had been moved to midweek. Probably something to do with Sky. But uh, um, and it was what near the end of the season. Fulham was safe. They they looked like a side who were already booking holidays and getting their flip flops ready. Um, and we had a little more to play for, uh, pressing on potentially for European places. Um, that particular midweek, one of our lot, who shall be called Albert for this evening. Albert had had a very good day. He'd been to Newmarket. Albert arrived in London very late, with a belly full of beer and a pocket full of cash, and plenty to say for himself. We were debating how we're going to get this man into the ground. We were doing all sorts. We were swapping pints for shandies and trying to hide his beer and anything to try and sober him up a bit. Um, and as we're getting closer to, to, to Craven Cottage, he's getting more and more weird as the fresh air's hitting him. So two of the lads getting propped up between them. And we're like, right, we're getting near the turnstiles, just keep your gob shut. Well, Albert couldn't keep his gob shut. So we were then invited for a little chat by three of the Mets' finest. Two more senior officers and one younger, very keen officer with a very, very broad Irish accent. And whilst he's chatting to Albert, 
we just think we're going to be let to get away when out of Albert's mouth comes. Uh, I'm sorry, you're going to have to repeat that because I can tell that English isn't your first language. <laughs> yeah. Still stunned silence while everybody's looking at each other like, yeah, he's not getting in the game. Um, but thankfully, his two senior colleagues obviously thought it was the funniest thing they'd heard all week. One of them was actually on with his hands on his knees and his shoulders going, trying to keep his laughing. So thankfully, the two older, more senior coppers calmed everything down with this irate young Irish lad um, and we were let to go on my way. So we eventually get Albert past the stewards and into the ground. Um, and then they get, just made it just in time for kickoff. Um, bumping it to Biffa, who midway through the first half was describing Fulham as all fart and no shite in the fantastic, elegant way that he can. They, they had plenty of uh, plenty of possession, but didn't out with it. We picked up a goal through Ambrose on the 18th minute, um, knocked down from a corner, and Ambrose rattled it in. Um, during the following limbs that uh, happened in the crowd, however, um, we then see Albert being escorted out of the ground by a steward. Um, we found out later why, um, and all he could talk about was making a complaint to the Fulham Football Club because the steward's blood had got on his jeans. Um, but anyway, that's another story again. Um, so uh, the rest of the first half went on. Second half, uh, we went 2-0 up through Clive at about 10 minutes into the, into the second half. Um, Shawlack got a third, 75 minutes. They rattled in a consolation with about four to four minutes to go. Um, but I was glad to report that Albert did get home safely and no permanent damage was done to his jeans. <laughs> that was brilliant, last. Okay, Steve, Steve. Uh, quick postscript to uh, my choice of game before. I forgot to add that uh, just to rub, you know, the indignity in, um, Shira also had missed a penalty in that game. <laughs> so we could have brought her back to 3 2, but it stayed 3 1. And uh, following on from uh, what this from Stewie's game, yes, Mitch, you're, you're absolutely right. That was the game that, uh, or the run of three games when uh, Derek Lambias via the then fans liaison officer Simon Esland said that uh, contact us and said Derek had an idea, if you remember. He'd yes. Been, he'd been watching the Manchester City in Europe away in Germany, and he saw a German fan with a megaphone facing the crowd, getting the crowd to sing. And he thought, "What wasn't that great? Wouldn't it be good if we did something similar at Newcastle? Um, I, I immediately contacted you at the I... idea of this, and, and we just said, this was like 25 past 7 or something on a Friday night, just about to go out and meet the lads in the corner house and head off into town. And um, it was. And I think I was already in the. You rang me. I was already in the strawberry by that point. I think it was a case of put the brakes on, put the brakes on this. How we were, can it have that? Um, and that's when he decided that it, the later on in the week that they would give the freebies out. Um, and he, he agreed that it would be for three games. That was the the, the the Fulham game was one. I think the Borough game was another. I can't remember the third game. Portsmouth possibly. Um, yeah. Anyway, that that was what. But he he, he mucked it up completely. Uh, Mike just well, it, it wasn't just a mega megaphone. It was then it was clappers. You know them things that left there often. Have. Right. Was clappers? Well, no, not clappers. Not yeah. not bloody clappers. Nothing yeah. that can be made into a paper plane. Thank you. That's right. Um, 
Don't give a fan a megaphone because God knows what's going to come out of it once somebody wrestles it out of his hand. Um, yeah, it was just it was it was it was as mad as as Midhat's selection of people from football. That's right. <laughs> it was just I. That's right. Anyway, so getting back to my second game, my second game I've I've gone for um, September the twelfth. Uh, sorry, May the twelfth, twenty nineteen. Uh, two days before this particular game, I got invited to a training ground with Bill Corcoran and uh, and Colin Whittle to uh, to meet Rafa Benitez. Um, he'd always said that he wanted to to spend a little bit of time talking to the people who were part of NUFC Fans Food Bank, um, and he wanted to he wanted him to meet us and sit down and have a have a good chat. But he also wanted to wanted to take us around the training ground. He wanted us to show us what it was like, uh, meet some of the players, etc. So we turned up on that Thursday. Um, and what we didn't know is we we're going to get, and I think I probably mentioned this on a previous show, we were going to get interrogated on our um, thoughts on how the training sessions were going, uh, what we thought was going well, who we identified that was putting the effort in in training and who wasn't, etc., etc. So after after being explained to us how the training sessions were run, um, we then had to observe the training sessions, the three uh, 20-minute sessions, and then we went went inside, and Rafa tested us. He gave us this thing, this test, and one of the one of the first questions he asked us was, "Who did you think wasn't trying?" And so there's not like being put on the spot, you know, as fans and and getting your chance to say something about a player. So the three of us stood there going, "Um, um, um," and at which point Rafa went, "Um, I'll answer it for you." John Joe Shelby. John Joe wasn't trying. So you know, John Joe was in a different place today. John Joe's mind was elsewhere. You could tell. And um, we were just nodding and, and such like. So anyway, the Saturday comes, the game, uh, Sunday comes. It's the last game of the season. A game, by the way, we're talking about fans there earlier. <coughs> a game that will be remembered for the scoreline. It'll be remembered for the fact that that Fulham got relegated. It'll be re- remembered for the fact that it was Rafa's last game. But be also remembered within the history, I suppose, of Newcastle fans um, and the way that Newcastle fans can do something really unusual when they want to. Uh, and that was the booze cruise or the cruise down the river that Darren Burry yeah. arranged, where 13 or 1,400 fans went to the game with flags aplenty on an armada from central London all the way down to Fulham. Um, and so when people got to the ground, the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. Um, but that was because a fan took it upon himself to do something for other fans and everybody who wanted got behind it. I think it was more difficult to get a ticket for the for the boats than it was to get a ticket for the match, if the truth be known. Anyway, onto the game... Um, we were convinced. We told all our pals, like, that's it. Shelby's played his last game from, from Newcastle. Uh, the team was announced and Shelby wasn't just playing. He was named captain. Now, that says an awful lot for the man management of Rapa Benitez. And what happened on the ninth minute? Shelby scored. Not only did he score, he scored his first goal of the season, for God's sake. You know, in the last game of the season, he's captain. He's played rubbish for God knows how long. We've just watched him in training, being absolutely crap. And he goes, gets the captaincy, wears the armband and scores a goal. Two minutes later, Perez scores. Uh, so, two now, about for 11. <coughs> uh, I mean, the game's over by that point. 
Shaw slotted one in on the 61st, and then the man who was man of the match, the entire, you know, completely, absolutely dominated, laid, did played a number nine's role like we haven't, we've never seen since, and that was Rondon, and he scored on the 90th minute the round out of what was a, a fantastic 4-0 uh, win. Now, I look at the team, um, just, to, just to give you an idea, in goal, Dubravka, a back five of Hayden, Shaw, Lascelles, Dummett and Ritchie. That back five could have been selected on Sunday, by the way, um, and booked for, in, book for injuries. Um, then you had the midfield central two of Shelby and Diarmi with the wide men of Atsu and Perez and up front, uh, Rondon. On the bench, we had, let's see, we had Clark, he, he played on Sunday. We had Muto, he's just gone. Kennedy, he went that season. Uh, Fernandez, he played. Darlow, he's would have would have been on the bench uh, or possibly have played if but for illness. And then two youngsters in Cass and uh, Watts. And Watts obviously played in pre-season but has now gone on loan. Um, but it just sh- goes to show like how little has changed within Newcastle. And I keep open on about this because I've mentioned it a few times, you know. Um the quality of the of, of the of the squad, the the lack of the lack of changes within the squad, um, etc. etc. But uh, that's my second game, a four-nil win. Um, Fulham were already relegated, and unfortunately, Rafa's last game for Newcastle. Although we didn't know it at the time, although I think, if the truth be known, many of us suspected, and certainly when we walked out on that Thursday from the training ground, we knew in our own mind that that was Rafa's swan song. Okay, Steve Wilkinson, finish off with your uh, second game, please. Right. Well, I'm going to spoil the winning run of the second half, uh, although it was <laughs> we managed to get a draw in this game, and it was is my one and only time going to Fulham, and it was this the uh, the, the second game of the season that I talked about earlier on, uh, 82-83 um, game on the 26th of February. Um, went down to London a few of my mates with me, and uh, thought well, well, Fulham's an unusual ground. It's not like the you know you, you see it on the television and you see the the sort of different style of it. Now I was almost keen to see the ground and understand it. And uh, we actually went in the seats and uh, I don't know whether Newcastle were in that seat, but we we went in the seats and we're, we're right up against the fence, uh, sitting next to a, uh, the barrier between the fans and, and sitting next to a, a Fulham fan. And I remember asking him, how, how did you get to support Fulham? Cause I thought there's loads of other London teams more fashionable than Fulham. How do you, how do you become a Fulham fan? And, he, and his answer was that, uh, he only went to Fulham because it was it, he lived local and it was the be- only place he could get a beer after three o'clock. As obviously all the pubs shut at that time, so there was no particular reason that he supported Fulham other than it being a, a chance to sit in the seats and have a drink at that time. So, um, you know, I, I didn't really get the answer I was expecting on that. So back to the game itself. Um, I think I was sitting in the stand that, on, on the picture that George showed earlier on. The the, the, uh, the sort of saw the stand in the background. That was the sort of. Typical old stand that the that they probably still got it full on the like the one at Newcastle used to be on the on the uh, the Milburn stand now, um, small seats and uh, so we settled down with the game and we got off to a great start scoring in the first minute. Emery Verardi uh, put the ball in the net in the in the first minute and uh, so you think that things are good. The pitch again, as as was in the George Cup match earlier on, was a bit of a quagmire. You know they hadn't done much to the pitch and the the pitch was a bit of a mess. Um, and uh, you know, the, the, so that did affect the game in, in a certain way as the as the ball was bumping around everything. Um, half an hour in, 
Fulham equalised, uh, ball into the box, and uh, Gordon Davies, who had scored in the, in the in the game twice at the at the game at St James's, uh, Kevin Carr again advancing off his goal and a, a ball coming in, and he didn't. It was nowhere near it, and Gordon Davies headed it over his head. But before half time, we're back in front, and uh, this time it was a, a, a Terry McDermott goal, longish ball coming into the box. I think it was Kerry Wharton who was playing in this game, put the ball in the box. And, and Terry Mogbrom had steamed in and it hit in uh, uh, up from about the edge of the pe- from about the penalty spot, giving us the lead at half time. Um, the state of the pitch was such that the uh, in the goal areas the 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 markings had started to disappear, and so they actually came out at half time. We remember this, and and they marked the penalty spot. But for some reason, they only did it in the in the end that Fulham were going to attack in the second half. They probably weren't bothered if we got a penalty. And it turned out I don't know whether how it had been arranged, but that Fulham actually got a penalty. Um, 65th minute, um, there was a foul, and uh, I think it was, it was Jeff Clark pulled the guy back going into the box from an arm. It was a pretty blatant penalty, and uh, Kevin Locke stepped up and, and banged the ball in the net. And that was the way the game finished, twos each. Um, you know, the, the, we had started to pick up a bit from the, the form earlier in the season where the team had settled down. By this time, Waddle was back in the team, Kenny Wharton was, was more of a regular. Um, youngster playing and, and Neil McDonald was in the midfield so the team was starting to get a bit more shape as the season went on um, we actually finished fifth uh, that season but Fulham, Fulham finished ahead of us in fourth but it was the times before playoffs and everything then the, the top three that year QPR, Wolves and Leicester went up and we stayed in the in the second division but the following season uh, once the introduction of Peter Beardsley came in uh, was the season that we've, we've talked about many times and memorable season when we did go up. So that was my second game, Fulham 2, Newcastle 2 in uh, February 1983. Nice message from George Green there. Looking at the programme of my first Newcastle game in 1966, the great Johnny Haynes was playing George Cohen and a young wing half called Bobby Robson. I can still feel the atmosphere to this day. Thanks for sharing that with us, George. Uh, OK, uh, time to uh, pick out the players who played for both Newcastle and Fulham and see whether the lads... Uh, can guess them, should be fairly straightforward. Uh, the players, I think, today. Uh, first of all, uh, this guy. Obviously. Kevin Keegan. Mohamed Al Fayed. Sorry, Kevin Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Keegan, of course, uh, managed both Newcastle and Fulham. Peter Beardsley. Pedro. Peter Beardsley. Lee Clark. Clarky. Lee Clark had a great uh, a great time down at Fulham, certainly enjoyed himself down there. Metro. 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 Not on fire. Alexandra no. Mitrovic. Andy, Andy Cole. Andy Cole. Damien Duff. Wayne Routledge. Yeah, Routledge, yeah. One for George, I guess. No. No. Uh, if he turns his microphone on. Is it Bentley? Hey, oh, George. I had to mute you, George. You were having your guest. Your guest was taking over the show again when people were trying to speak. So. Right. Okay. Um, it looks like Roy Bentley to me. That's the man. Well done. Silent but deadly there, George. Yeah. Alan Goma. Alan Goma. Goma. Super Mac. Malcolm. Super Mac. Last Scott Parker. 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 Oh no, I've got one more. Scott Gordon Circles Parker. Louis Saha. <laughs> Louis Saha. 
Louis Saha, clean sweep for the lads on that one. Okay, and we have the celebrity uh, fans. Now, this one was, was great. We'll start off with an easy one. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant and his infamous mugshot. I do love that photograph. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Margot Robbie. No. Now, if you get this one, the rest should follow, I think. But see whether you can get this one. I recognise that. Oldick. Atlas. Um... On the right track, you're barking up the right tree, Steve. Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, me. I did a bit of research and I found someone who I remember in our olden days. Well, and her olden days, more relative to my time, but on a Blackman. But I don't think that's her, is it? No, no it's no, not. No. no, I didn't think it was. That's a look of Susan George about her, but I don't think it is. She has got a very look yeah. of Susan George, but it's not Susan George. Not very happy anyway. She's not. Well, she's a Fulham fan. I wouldn't expect her to be, really. <laughs> okay, guys. I think we've given you enough time. That is Sharon Juice, the actress who was yeah, in yeah, Big yeah, Deal. Yeah. you remember yeah. Big Deal back yeah, in the, yeah, uh, yeah, in the yeah, 80s? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. which is probably going to make this one a bit cool. difficult. Cool. Is it a lad or a girl? <laughs> lad. Lad. Should know it. You're a mute, Steve. I'll be surprised. Yeah, it's because uh, Bo Lass has just walked in and she's rattling down yeah. to move things around. So I was oh, trying not to create. But she's, saying, she's now making a guest appearance on the show. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Well, Bob, we're all getting invaded. First George, now me. Um, okay, well, that is Dominic God. Right. He is Sharon Juice's partner. Partner, yeah. Okay, so, <coughs> next up, two to me. We're looking Bloody for the hell. man here, not the woman. Oh, I was going to say, she's an Emma deal. Now you got us on that one as game, mate. Right, that's that is somebody else. God, Christopher God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is Dominic's brother. Oh God! All right, so that's a hat trick for me. All right, this one, Mrs. God. Yeah, <laughs> Isabella God. Security God. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Right, God. <laughs> I love this. I really did love this. Like this is. Oh God! I, I stumbled across this. It's absolutely hilarious. Okay, this is. She played Nurse Duffy in Casualty. This is Kathy oh. Shipton. Oh my God! She's married to Christopher God. Christopher <laughs> God. Yeah. Right. It's a family of Fulham fans. It's a. But they don't all live in that Craven Cottage in the corner of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. All right, uh, last last we should, one. We should have been on guard for that one. Hey, well oh, done, George. Well dear. done. Okay, this one. 
Ah, talking of gods, he's uh, one in porridge, isn't he? No, don't no, tell us I'm going to get this as well. It looks like the god from porridge. What was it, the uh, Mackay? Yeah. No, it looks like him, but it's not him. Not a very old Ray Brooks, is it? No. Wow. Yeah, you can. Clean world. I've got you on all but Hugh Grant. That Steve, is. Steve, I think. Steve, I think we should give you a guard of honour for this today. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Spenny Mag got uh, the, the advert, but he didn't get the name. It's Michael Redfern, who was the dad yes, in yes, the yes. Oxo advert. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Great stuff. A lot of fun doing that. And, um, yeah, it was good to find a family of Fulham fans all related. <laughs> I, remember bump, I remember bumping into uh, Ian McShane, the actor outside Fulham's ground, uh, when we went once. Uh, that was the only favourite I think they had, you know. Brilliant. Great stuff. All right. Let's score with teams. Steve Wilkinson, I'll give you first shout this week. Right. It's, I think it's quite a decent team, this. Uh, I think it will be. Good, good, good players that uh, we could have picked in have left out. Uh, Dave Besson in goal. Uh, Alan Nielsen, Philippe Albert, Alan Goma, Aaron Hughes at the back. Midfield, Paul Bracewell, Lee Clark, Scott Parker. Up front, Andy Cole, Suter Mack and Peter Beardsley with Bobby Robson manager. Great stuff. I, I, it's always good because you can always find different players and you, it shows you're doing your research as well. So, Steve Hasty, your team? <coughs> exactly the same team, except I had BRC White on the right uh, with the front two of uh, MacDonald and Andy Cole. Can you imagine what BRC would have been like feeding those two? Oh, Dear me, it would have been remarkable. Um, I, went for, I went for Keegan as the manager and I, I, I stuck uh, Sir Bobby Robson as their uh, sporting director. That's what I did, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Mitch? I believe it or not, I come up with exactly after I tinkered with this team three or four times this week. And the team I settled on is exactly the same as Steve Wilkinson's. Oh. Uh, with Besson, Hughes, Goma, Albert, Nielsen, Clark, Bracewell, Parker, Beardsley, who I would have playing at the tip of a diamond um, behind Super Mac and Andy Cole and Sir Bobby as manager. The through balls would be fantastic. Through the call. It'd be crazy, wouldn't it? would be crazy. Bracewell, Peter Beardsley. Alright, Stu, what about you? Not too dissimilar. and goal, back three of Albert, Goma and Aaron Hughes. Midfield four of Bracewell, Parker, Lee Clark and Damien Duff on the left. With the, I mentioned on Twitter about probably the best three forwards we've been able to pick in one team and it's Beardsley, Supermac and Andy Cole. Imagine that playing together now. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? Amazing. Okay, last but by no means least, George with your team. Uh, Besson, of course. Um, oh, Aaron Hughes at uh, right back. Um, Damien Duff on, on the left side of, of defence. Um, Paul Bracewell. Philip Albert. Um, Danny Guthrie, because I like I, I always liked Danny when he was was with us. Uh, seven was uh, Peter Beardsley. Uh, eight was uh, Lee Clark. Nine for all time's sake, Andy Cole. Uh, and ten, um, Malcolm McDonald. And eleven was Louis Sahar. 
And manager uh, Bobby Robson again for all time's sake. Great stuff as always, lads. Uh, fantastic to hear your, uh, your selections. And uh, week off next week, uh, so it gives you plenty of time to plan for the next show. And uh, we'll be doing our fan series next week. So uh, enjoy your week off. I'll see you the week after next. Take care, lads. Thanks a lot. Cheers, everyone. Attack. It feels like I've been told